Today, you're in for a treat. I am excited because we have one of our favorite people here to uh, teach you. This lady, you hear her mentioned all the time here because she kind of runs the place. I'm telling you what. Miss Debbie Fink, one of the, the small tribe of partners who actually helped start this church years ago with Pastor Albert and has just been so faithful, her and her husband, Bob. They are so incredible. But not only is she kind of like the chief operating officer around here, but she is a mighty minister of God. And and uh, just has a wonderful anointing. I love the way she thinks. I love the way she teaches. She's an incredible teacher, and we love it when she gets to come up here. They're at home. We can't hear you, but let's all welcome our very own Miss Debbie Fingers. <laughs> wow, that's tough to live up to. Goodness sakes. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. There's uh, five of us in here, and uh, to the rest of you at home, we say hello, we miss you so much, and we are looking forward to the time coming very soon when we will all get to be together again. Um, you know, let's pray first. How about we do that? Father, we come before you this morning. We are thankful today. We're thankful for life. We're thankful for that more abundant. We're thankful for our church family. We're thankful for your abundant living. We're so thankful today, Lord, and we come before you with open hearts. Lord, I just pray this morning that the words that I share, people will have ears to hear, hearts that are open. Lord, and we just pray you have your way today in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you know, back in the beginning of March, uh, when all of this started, it seems like it was forever ago, at least it does to me, I was preparing a message to share with our ladies uh, that we're supposed to meet on March 28th. And the title of my message was Expecting the Unexpected, uh, which is kind of odd because I'm a little bit late in that. I could have used that, you know, a couple months ago. But here we are anyway, and in the midst of this pandemic, I can assure you nothing has surprised God. God is not surprised at all. And so I feel like I'm supposed to preach it to you anyway this morning. And I'm going to share it with you just the way that I would share it with my girls. So guys, hang on with me. Uh, I can be sometimes my husband calls me bottom line Deb, but uh, I'll, I'll be gentle today. But I, I want to share with you this morning. I've tweaked it a little bit and I've renamed it. And I'm going to call this message gobsmacked. And uh, yes, gobsmacked is a word. It is a word. It's in the dictionary. And the definition is this, overwhelmed with wonder, surprise, or shock. The word gobsmacked is a slang term that is generally defined as experiencing a feeling of intense surprise, such as the kind of shock you would feel if you were suddenly hit in the face. And I don't know about you, but I feel like these last few months, we have been gobsmacked. You know, the prime example is what we're going through now, what Pastor shared, you know, about this pandemic, how it's affecting us personally, how it's affecting the church, the, the community, the nation, and the world. And I remember back when this all first started in March, uh, Pastor Scott made a comment about, we might not get to be together for Easter. And I said, no, 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 that, that, that's, just not possible. Surely this thing's not going to affect us that long. Well, you know, here we are. Here we are. 
And I know everyone has an opinion about this thing that's going on right now, but I'm not going there. But I will dive in and I'm going to ask you this question this morning. How do we, as Bible-believing Christians, respond when we get gobsmacked? Because as much as you may not want to hear this, this thing that we're going through right now is not going to be the last unexpected that you're going to experience in your life. And not just the challenging unexpecteds that will come along, but also the ones that will make you smile and say that there is Jesus, like my husband likes to say. And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a tendency to look at my life in a snapshot of what I'm going through at the moment. But I can assure you and encourage you that God sees the big picture. I'm going to read Psalm 139 to you out of the Living Bible. It's so good. So follow along with me. I think they're going to put the words up there for you. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit or stand. When far away, you know my every thought. You chart the path ahead of me, and you tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment, you know where I am. You know what I'm going to say before I say it. You both proceed and follow me and place your hand of blessing upon my head. This is too glorious, too wonderful to believe. I can never be lost to your spirit. I can never get away from God. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride the morning winds to the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. If I try to hide in the darkness, the night becomes light around me. For even darkness cannot hide from God. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It's amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You were there when I was being formed in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. And when I awake in the morning, you are still thinking of me. Wow. Boom. We could stop and go home right there, couldn't we? But in reading all of that, would you agree that that pretty much sums up that God has a plan for our life? And sometimes what we had planned for our life is not anywhere what he had planned for us. So I want to share with you this morning two stories of opposite ends of the gobsmack spectrum. The first one I'm going to call gobsmacked by God. Uh, this happened when I was about 26 years old. I was working the front desk of a hotel up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I didn't have a care in the world until out of the blue, a coworker came to me one day and said, do you know anybody that might want to adopt a baby? Seemed like one of their young relatives was uh, expecting and they were looking for someone to adopt the baby. I didn't take it too seriously. 
until I went home that evening and I told my now ex-husband about it, kind of jokingly, and he said, let's do it. And I'm like, what, wait, what? So I went back to the coworker the next day and said, um, we want that baby. Do you know how long people wait to adopt a baby? Years and years and years. And I didn't even know I wanted a baby. And here's the kicker. The young lady that was pregnant also worked at the hotel. She was a busboy. And every day I watched her carry trays of dishes and I watched that baby, my baby, grow in her tummy. Is that a gobsmack from God or what? You know, to this day, I don't know if she was ever told or if she figured it out that someone that she saw every day at work was going to raise that baby. And not long ago, it was May 8th, I was out shopping, which was typical, and I got the call, the baby's been born. And so this was really real. And four days later, we arrived at the hospital and they took us down a back hallway and they said, wait here. And about 20 minutes later, the nurse came walking down the hall with this long-legged, blue-eyed baby in a little rosebud dress that I had bought her. I was totally gobsmacked. And they pretty much handed her over and said, here you go. No formula, no diapers, no instructions, nothing. And I remember we stopped at the grocery store and I walked in and I'm looking at the aisles and rows of all this stuff. I didn't know what I was supposed to get. So we finally got a hold of a doctor and they told us what to do and uh, gave us some pointers and we didn't have the, the child. I was so ignorant about babies. I had her at the mall when she was seven days old. I had her on a plane going back to see my family in Iowa when she was three weeks old. You know, heaven forbid you do that today, they call CPS on you. But thank goodness she survived and she thrived. And last week she turned 40 years old. And I love her more than I thought I could love anything. And how many times my daughter and I have laughed when people tell us, you guys look exactly like each other. Isn't that God? Isn't that a God thing? But God knew what I needed even when I didn't. And he poured out a blessing on me so great that I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it, and I didn't even ask for it. So right now I want you to take a moment and think of a time that God blessed you so unexpectedly you know there's something in your life that he's done for you that you didn't deserve. I know he's done wonderful blessings for you too. So let's go on the opposite end of that spectrum. Fast forward about 14 years, and I'm going to talk to you about a different kind of gobsmack. This one I'm going to call gobsmack by goo. It was a typical weekday morning. Everybody was getting up. We were getting ready for school and for work. And it's about 8 o'clock. There's a knock on the door, and it's my neighbor. And all she said was, they've opened the dam at Lake Conroe, so get ready and take what's valuable to you. Well, we'd moved to River Plantation about six months prior to that, and uh, nobody had told us there was major flooding there. And so within a matter of hours, our one-story home filled up with nine feet of water. And before the water started coming in, you walk around the house and say, what's valuable? 
I don't know. I, I don't know what's valuable. So when the water started rolling in through the window sills and the dining room chairs started floating, we figured we better get out of there. So I grabbed the kid, grabbed the dog, put the cat in a pillowcase, because, you know, they're not real fun to carry, and started wading up the street that was on a hill and hadn't flooded yet. We ended up at someone's house who we had never met. And when the flood water started overtaking the first story of their house, we ended up leaving on a boat from their second story balcony. And we lost everything we owned that day. I know some of you have experienced that around here too. And there's no possible way to prepare for that overwhelming smack in the face. And I'm not going to bore you with any more of those stories, but I will tell you that God turned that goo into good for my behalf. But here's my point. You will have gobsmacks in your life, and what are you going to do with them when they happen? You know, we all love the unexpected blessings when they fall from heaven, but what are you going to do when the unexpected come that make you want to stay under a blanket for the rest of your life? You know, that unexpected medical report, that unexpected death of a loved one, that unexpected job loss, that unexpected crisis with your child. And you know, it's, it's so easy for us to get into a spiral with those unexpected events where we start saying, where's God? Why'd you do this to me? I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to live a glorious, abundant life and nothing bad's ever supposed to happen to me. Well, first of all, that's just kind of a little unrealistic if you look at what the Bible has to say. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved friends, if life gets extremely difficult with many tests and fiery trials, don't be bewildered as though some strange thing were overwhelming you. James 1.2 says, Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you can be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. Amen. John 16:33 says in the words of Jesus, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace that is in me will be in you and give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have overcome the world. Praise God for that. So, what do we do? You know, there are things that you can do in the spiritual, and there are things that you can do in the natural when these unexpected gobsmacks come along. So I have several things I want to share with you, uh, things that we can do to help overcome these unexpecteds. Number one, you ready? First of all, do your research. Dig into, the, into your Bible and see what the Word says about your situation. You know, there's a, an old saying that says, hindsight is great. And as I look back, years later at that flood that we went through, I will have to admit that we did not properly do our research on that house before we moved in. You know, we'd been through some uh, tough financial challenges. 
And so the fact that someone was even willing to sell us a house was so exciting to us. But we let that cloud our good judgment. And if we had truly spent time seeking the Lord in that direction, we probably wouldn't have purchased that house. And if we had sought God-given wisdom to research the history of the house, no, we would not have purchased it. And it would have saved us from not only one flood, but two floods before I finally said enough is enough. Sometimes we save ourselves a lot of heartache if we'll do our due diligence. Proverbs 4 says, In all of your getting, get wisdom. And wisdom is listed over 180 times in the Bible. The dictionary definition of wisdom is the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships, or basically good sense. James 1.5 says, If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, or he won't rebuke you, and it shall be given to him. We have to seek God's wisdom, especially in these days that we're in right now. Really, do your research, and don't believe everything you see or hear on the TV. And you would think this would be a given. And um, stone me if you must. But you better use wisdom, too, on what preachers and prophecies you're latching on to. You've got to make sure they line up with God's word. Okay? You know, not long ago, I joined a woman's group on Facebook that was supposed to be prayer and testimonies. And I noticed pretty soon that uh, every other post was a prophecy from some gal, which counteracted the previous prophecy that some other gal had given. And I'm not saying prophecy's not real, but I had to remove myself from that group real quick because you've got to use the wisdom that God has given you and listen to that still small voice, the Holy Spirit inside of you, that it's going to tell you, I don't think so, Tim. And that was a reference for you old-timers like me who used to watch Home Improvement. All right, so first thing we got to do is we got to research. The second thing I suggest we need to do is repent. Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad and lead me along the path of everlasting life. The Passion Translation says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. 1 John 1, 9, I don't have a slide for that, says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands firm, immune to temptation, being overconfident and self-righteous, take care that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. I implore you, ask the Lord for forgiveness for any area of your life that doesn't line up. You know, I, I go before the Lord and I ask for forgiveness for not only things that I have done against him, but things that I haven't done that I should have, or things that I said that I shouldn't have, preach, or things I thought that I knew better than to think. 
Make sure there is clean air between you and heaven. Amen? We all have to repent. So we're going to research. We're going to repent. And the next thing we're going to do is we're going to rehearse. Rehearse your victories. You've got to get that word down in you. You have to rehearse what you know is true according to the Bible, not according to how things look on the outside. Well, I know someone could say, well, I don't have any victories. Well, first of all, you woke up this morning. You're saved, I pray. Write down some of the victories that God's given you. Salvation, the love of a family, your children. You've got food on the table. You've got a loving church family. You know, the scriptures say that God has never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. The scripture says in 1 Samuel 17, 34, this was David when he was convincing Saul to let him go fight Goliath. David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and his goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. My friend Debbie Pilon says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who would come against the army of God? You speak against him, and you rehearse the victories that God's given you. All right, so we're moving right along quickly here. We're going to research. We're going to do our research. We're going to repent. We're going to rehearse, and we're going to remind. This one is about reminding, and this is an interesting factoid. If you went into an office in Israel today, the word that you would hear for secretary is, probably not pronouncing this right, mazkur or maskura for a female. It comes from the Hebrew word to remind or from the root to remember. You know, I've been here 35 years and part of my job as pastor's uh, administrative assistant is to help remind him of commitments or appointments or different things that are coming up. And unfortunately, he has to remind me of some as well. So, but you know what? You can be a mazkur, mazkura to God. It's okay to remind God of his promises. Isaiah 62, 6 in the Amplified says, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, who will never hold their peace day or night. You who are his servants and by your prayers, put the Lord in remembrance of his promise. Keep not silent. You know, there are many that just roll up in me. My child is a disciple taught of the Lord with great peace and undisturbed composure. I'm not to be anxious for anything, but that in all things with thanksgiving, I am to make my requests known to God, and he will guard my heart and my mind with peace. Get it, get it in there and remind God of his promises. Those scriptures that apply to your situation... Get them. you got to get them in here and remind God. And it's okay to do that. So...
research, repent, rehearse, remind. And the next one we're going to do is resist. The dictionary meaning of resist to exert oneself so as to counteract or defeat, to withstand the force or effect of. What are we supposed to resist? First of all, resist giving up. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9 says, Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we're not knocked out. The second thing you're going to do is you're going to resist the devil. James 4, 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. People, we have to take our authority and we have to resist that devil in the name of Jesus. We cannot pet the enemy. We're in a warfare. It's for our families, our church, our nation. You've got to get busy and kick, kick that nasty thing out. Amen? Another one is, uh, I'll just throw this one in there last minute. Let's resist judging people right now. You know, everybody's experience, seeing their own thing. Let's resist being judge and jury to everyone, okay? All right. The, the next thing we're going to resist is temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And I was looking in the concordance about that scripture, and Barnes' note says that the meaning here is that they endured many things which were suited to try or test their faith. Anybody else? Mm -hmm. These might have consisted of poverty, persecution, sickness, or the efforts of others to lead them to renounce their religion or go back to their former state of unbelief. It is probable, however, that he refers to such as would, in their circumstances, have a tendency to induce them to forsake their allegiance to the Lord. Wow. And, and you know, if you're one of those that, that may be experiencing uh, different situations right now, sometimes... It's easy to back up. It's easy to, to, to back up and start looking at what can you do, what can you do, instead of how can the Lord help me? How can the Lord help me? So I want to tell you, people, suit up. Suit up. Get the armor of God on and keep it on. And I'm going to read uh, part of Ephesians 6. I don't have a slide for this. But Ephesians, starting in 6.10, says, Now, my beloved, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life unit, union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. 
Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer, for you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert, then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. That's a big one. Protect your thoughts from lies. And take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers and pray also that God's revelation would be released through me every time I preach the wonderful mystery of the hope-filled gospel. Yes, pray that you and I may preach the wonderful news of God's kingdom with bold freedom at every opportunity. I'm going to say it again, suit up. We got to suit up. Okay, you still with me? All right. So we've gone through research. We've gone, we're going to repent. We're going to rehearse our victories. We're going to remind God of his promises. We're going to resist so many things that come against us. And the next one is you got to rest. And this doesn't mean lay on the couch all day watching TV, although sometimes, you know, you may need a day. It can be therapeutic, but you can't stay there. What this talks about is casting your cares upon the Lord. Psalm 62, 1 and 2 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to find rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your soul. Let's learn how to rest in the Lord and trust that he's got our situation in hand. Amen? Okay. So we're going to go through it again. We research, we repent, we rehearse, we remind, we resist, we re rest, and we rely. We rely first and foremost on the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord completely and don't rely on your own opinions. Because I don't know, I learned a long time ago that my opinion and four bucks might get me a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Maybe. 
don't rely on opinions of everything you see, everything you hear on TV. All right, let me go back to Scripture. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you, and He will lead you in every decision you make. And guess what else, my friends? It's okay to rely on each other. Put your pride down, ask for prayer, share your needs, and confide in someone you trust. Don't let the enemy put that thought in your head that no one cares, because they do, and we do, and this church does. And a lot of times you have not because you haven't asked. But what we, can we all say it together? What do we say at this church? No one walks alone. It's okay to rely, first and foremost, on the Lord, but on people and your friends and those that care about you. All right, so we're moving right along here. The next thing I want to encourage you in that will help you when these unexpected come along, and that is to release. You would be wise and scriptural to release some seed. Don't hold so tight to your stuff during this pandemic thinking there isn't any more provision for you down the road. And yes, I'm talking first and foremost about the tithe. And I'm not ashamed and I'm not embarrassed to talk about it because A, it's scriptural, and B, I've seen the value of giving God what belongs to him. The bottom line, it's about obedience. It's about obedience. Uh, recently, I felt impressed that we were to give an offering to a specific ministry, and it was more than um, I would normally be comfortable with because my husband works in oil field. And uh, has anybody seen the price of oil lately? So, you know, we've kind of tried to tighten our purse straps a little bit. And this amount was, um, was more than was normal. And I sat on it because uh, I wasn't ready to turn that cash loose. But one day Bob and I were sitting here and and it just wouldn't go away. And he'd already given me an amount that he wanted to give to this ministry. And it was about half of what I had felt in my spirit. And I didn't say anything, because I'm still thinking, and after a while I said, okay, I really feel like we're supposed to give blank amount of dollars. And his eyes got big and he said, me too. He said, but I knew you'd freak out if I told you about it, so, so I told you the lesser amount. But the thing is, we obeyed. We obeyed God's leading. I know there's a reason for it, and God will reveal it to us when he's ready in ways that we cannot think or imagine. Amen? Proverbs 11.25, I don't have a slide for this one. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. If you haven't gotten the revelation about tithing yet, oh, let's see, do your research. Ask God what he would have you release. Release a bag of groceries to someone. Release your time to help someone. Release kind words. 
release some homemade chocolate chip cookies, Stephanie Lindsay. <clears throat> Just be obedient, okay? And don't hold so tight to something for fear of losing it. Because what you gain from releasing it will be so much greater than what you felt was of such value to hang on to. We all know Malachi 3.10. Bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn so there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord All-Powerful. I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out all blessings you need. Whew, I'm ready for that, and I know you are too. All right, we're going to wind this down here in a second, but we're going to research, we're going to repent, we're going to rehearse, we're going to remind, we're going to resist, we're going to rest, we're going to rely, we're going to release, and finally, we're going to rejoice. I'm probably going to say this to you anytime I have an opportunity to share. You got to keep your praise on now more than ever. You know, a few weeks ago, I found myself angry and frustrated just at this overall situation of what everybody's going through. And the Holy Spirit gently reminded me I had laid my worship down for several days, and it was true. So I strapped it back on, and I filled the house with it. And when I do that, it stirs me to keep my eyes on the one who is our source of supply, who is our deliverer, who is our encourager, and who is our healer. Habakkuk 3, 17, 18, though the fig tree should not blossom, might not be a job right now, there be no fruit on the vines, the funds are low, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock be cut off from the fold and there's no cattle in the stalls, yet I will, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Yet I will, in spite of how I feel, how things look, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Daniel, if you guys want to come ahead and come on up. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Yeah, that song reminds me of, May his presence be upon you and a thousand generations, and your family and your children and their children and their children. His faithfulness continues to every generation. So, let's wind it up. Can you truly prepare, expect the unexpected? Maybe not, but when it happens, you have the tools that God gave us by faith to overcome any gobsmack that challenges you and to also bring to remembrance those wonderful gobsmacks from God that have blessed you throughout your life. Isaiah 55, 8, my last scripture. This plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. Whew, thank you, Jesus. 
For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than yours. Can we just say thank you, Jesus, for that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I encourage you as I close this morning, research, repent, rehearse, remind, resist, rest, rely, release. And remember, the battle belongs to the Lord and you're not in this thing alone. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.